podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. From catching the bus for a family adventure, taking a tram to work, hopping in a taxi for your big night out, or simply relaxing on the train for your next shopping trip. Transport for Ireland is here to reconnect you with all you've missed and everything you want to do. Please do mask up. Use a TFI Leap card where possible, respect each other and be patient so we can all travel safely. Reconnect with the Transport for Ireland network. Hello everyone. Welcome to, it's now episode 79 of the bloodandmud.com podcast, your Swari Python of rugby knowledge. That's number 79, uh, like the number of ways South Africa contrived not to score against New Zealand on Saturday. Yes. Uh, more of that later, I imagine. I am Lee Calvert, the editor of bloodandmud.com, and over there that gentleman is... I am once again Josh Gardner of rugbyshowatwatch.com. Sorry to disappoint you all. <laughs> oh, he's, he's a little bit upset, bless him. The... Um, after a near brush with a hurricane avoided at a nice holiday, you're now back, yes. aren't you? I am back, refreshed, and with only the tail end of a cold, so, you know, it's great. Well, you know, he's started off as cheerfully as he means to go on on his return, oh, ladies and yeah. gentlemen, so you can get in touch with us uh, at Blood and Mud, that's me, or Lee at bloodandmud.com, and there's the website and the Facebook page and all that, and Josh? It's uh, at Josh Gardner, or at Rugby Shirt Watch, or uh, indeed rugbyshirtwatch.com. Uh, what a bit weird at the end then when I said dot com. <laughs> dot com. The question mark on your notes. Yeah, <laughs> I suddenly became an up talker. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this pod is available on Apple Podcasts, on Acast, on anywhere else you want to stick the RSS feed. You can leave reviews while you're there as well if you feel in that way inclined. Thank you very much. We've got a lot of catching up to do because the Egg Chase has been nominated for a radio award this week. Yeah, so that's I mean, the kind. I think, that's the kind of you know. That's how far yeah. behind we are. Now. I mean, we were pretty far behind anyway. That's <laughs> how far taught, behind we we're are. We're tortoise and herring that shit. But we are. Yeah, you'll see. You'll see. Win at all. <laughs> Slow and miles behind wins the race. That's what I say. <laughs> um, let's start with a player spotted as we like to do. A nice short one this week. Tom Davis got in touch on Twitter at Blood and Mud, and he said, "I saw Phil Vickery in Malaga Airport a few weeks back. He was reading a map." I would have Old said school. I, like I would. It. I like that. Yeah. What not map? The, what not map that was? Of Malaga, you'd fucking hope. <laughs> you also surrounding areas. How do I get to Granada from here? He was thinking. <laughs> he says. Tom says. I would have said I, but he's fucking huge. He yeah. is huge. I've met Phil Vickery. He's actually a very nice guy and very, very softly spoken for for a he's large a, gentleman. Yeah. He's, I see him. He's. He, I always see him around here because he's from around here. Or was he living around there now? Is he? he's not back in uh, Cornwall? Yeah. I was retired or anything now. Yeah, no, he's a Bristol boy originally, isn't he? I do see him around. Is the, he? Uh... I thought he was from Cornwall. I thought he was a farmer from down that well, way. He started his career at Bristol. I oh, think I, see. I see. I see. Yeah. I see. I see. I see him periodically in the vague Hainsham area. Why have you never done this as a player spotted? I'm disappointed. Uh, that's a good point. I should have actually. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Hainsham sounds mundane in itself. Hainsham is incredibly Kainsham. mundane. Right. Okay. So yes. Yeah. Is that named oh, after you know. John Maynard Keynes? Uh, probably. So it makes it even more mundane. Well, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, what now, Josh? This now, what could we possibly talk about this week? It's mm. not a lot. I mean, it's been a very uneventful weekend, is not it? <laughs> I mean, we might as well just talk about weird little satellite towns of the we might as well. Or we could the talk about hour. 
the great, magnificent, prissy, biffly, wiffly meltdown of James Haskell versus the Harlequins <laughs> on Sunday, which is my favourite thing that's ever happened. Oh, it was glorious, wasn't it? I mean, I'm going to assume that you've got some sort of clip. There. Oh, of course I have. For those of you, I mean, everyone's heard it by now, but let's let's just have a little bit of a listen to this, shall we? Just to relive it. Spread water in my face. You're allowed to do that. He sprayed water in my face. Review it again. He sprayed water in my face and I reacted. And he choked me with scrum cap. It's not allowed. <laughs> it never stops being absolutely fucking brilliant. It's the review it again that I find <laughs> so That is not allowed. So. It made me think of um, a film that I watched in the 90s. Have you ever seen The Birdcage? Yes. yes. It, reminded me, it reminded me of this bit in The Birdcage. Armand, did you see what he just did? Hello, Valley, darling. What did he do? <laughs> he blew a bubble with his gum while I was singing. He can't do that while I'm singing! <laughs> <laughs> it just made me think of that. That is remarkably simple. <laughs> you can't do that when I'm singing. Oh, God. He can't spray water at me when I'm playing. He sprayed water in my face. Did he, though? Or did he just spray it sort of in your general direction? It hit him in the like chest that... as he walked past, didn't he, when he seen yeah. the clip? I mean, it was... <laughs> I think we've got to say, it was a sub... Blime bit of shithousery from Oh, Jim it Arler. was a magnificent it bit was, of trolling. Like, yeah, the was... whole thing from start to finish was like, it was like the Beethoven's fifth of being an absolute <laughs> shithouse, wasn't it? You know, like, wind, wind him up with like some niggly handbags. And then when it's just about diffused and the situation is sort of basically over, just, just, just that little thing to just tip him over the edge into pure, ungracious, hysterical, prissy schoolboy apoplexy. It was, oh my God, it was funny. It was so funny. It's his lack of shame after as well, because if any other person, I think, would watch yourself back reacting like that, you'd you'd say to yourself, oh, you know what, I'll probably just try and forget about that because I really did kind of go full sort of primary school person on that one. But it's, he's come out today now, and he's all over social media slagging people off. We've had a go at him now. <laughs> he's just... Jesus. I mean, so I, 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 I expect like to, be honest, to be on the banned list soon, then. I I'll don't... join you on the James Haskell <laughs> block list any day now. I don't... You know, we can all understand the desire probably to throttle Joe Marlowe. Oh, 100%. <laughs> Let's be well, honest. <laughs> nobody's not saying that, like, in that situation, you wouldn't have reacted exactly the same in terms of losing your fucking rag. And going, but as you say, I think we'd all have had a little bit more shame about it afterwards. (laughs) It's the, you know, coming out and basically saying that Marla, you know, it was all Marla's fault. And, you know, let's be honest, Die Young not exactly covering himself in, I know he's got to back his player, but just being like, oh yeah, you know, they should, retroactive action against Joe Marla. For what? For squirting some water? Well, for pulling at his scrum cap and nearly choking him. Oh, he's pulled at my scrum cap and he's nearly choked me right right that's what he did right is that even allowed <laughs> that's not even allowed look at it again yeah as a, as a kind of general point and I'm sorry to be a bit boring about this was because I don't know because he came on off the bench didn't he Haskell yes he did yeah was he the on the pitch captain at the point at which he was going off like that at the ref because uh, he's club no. captain isn't he this year he is club captain but because Launchby was, was stood next to him as captain wasn't he Yes, so, so it was basically Haskell losing. And the worst, the best 
part that nobody's drawn attention, like really drawn any attention to, that I think was the most shithouserly bit of all, is that as he went off, he sort of did this pathetic little shove on James Horwell. Yeah, he did. As he was being binned, he sort of shoved like a fucking toddler (laughs) being sent to the corner. It was fucking pathetic. And then Danny Kerr trotted towards him to try and sort of get him to calm down. Yeah, which, I mean, the last thing I'd want to see when I was trying to calm down was Danny Kerr, to be quite honest with you. But Exactly. But yeah, so... I did enjoy how, uh, what's his face, the young Quinsly half, whose name I keep forgetting, who looks about six and a half years old, uh, Marcus, Marcus Smith, Smith. It? Yeah. looked fucking terrified the whole time. <laughs> It's just like we've all been stood, there when the real stood, big lads go off. Yeah, stood, I mean, but especially for him, who literally looks like when oh, yeah. I thought when I, I I've not seen him play. Like, I was away last week, obviously, so I didn't watch much rugby last weekend. But I when I saw him in the tunnel, I assumed he'd like won a prize to like lead the team out or something because he looks literally about fifteen <laughs> years old, and he, he was stood next to. These fucking, you know, say what you like about Mahler and Haskell. They are fucking massive blokes who can be a little bit physically intimidating at the best of times. And they were just like two fucking angry gorillas going at each other. And he was just sort of like, oh, fucking hell, I've bad, I need to reconsider everything in my life immediately. <sighs> well, yeah, so but- after, after me having some kind of... Um... I wouldn't say I changed my view completely, but the way he was talking about the Lions when he was on the Lions tour and all yeah. that kind of stuff, I thought, you know what, uh, you know what, James, fair enough. That's probably how I'd like to speak about the Lions and, and fair dues to you. Yeah. And then he's now just straight back into the absolute shit out groove that we that that I know and, and don't love him for. He's the gift yeah. I'd never tire of returning. <laughs> I'd take it to the shop back every day. <laughs> It's just, it was just the way that, oh, I mean, we could spend the whole duration oh, yeah. of this podcast talking about how and There's probably very... a fair chunk of the listeners out there who just probably want me to do that, but well, I'm they, not going they, to they do There probably is, let's not be around the bush. But it's just like, what did he, I get it, he lost his shit. But it's the the thing that's so massively unendearing about him is the way that he is incapable of, in any ways like saying that he's wrong yeah or like i just don't get it like he pretends to be philosophical about everything when he's probably the most unphilosophical all of his actions demonstrate that he's the most unphilosophical person in the entire world that's one that's the main thing that i get really that i don't like him for yeah, you know, like I say stupid like, things, and I understand that people will. Me, I say judgmental things on this pod. You know, that's mm. why you're all here, I imagine, ladies and gentlemen. But <laughs> it's, a, it's, and but if somebody says to me, "I think you're a total cock and a disgrace to rugby coverage," I go, "That's fair enough," because yeah. I things, I I do things and say things I know people are going to find disagreeable. It's the, I then I would it's then that I wouldn't go back to them and say oh yeah well it's because you're obviously a fucking knob that you think you know you don't understand that I'm the best thing ever that's ever broadcasting you know always favourite one you're obviously just of low intelligence he's <laughs> <It's> just <laughs> <laughs> see the, the thing is nobody like fair enough if somebody had fucking grabbed me and tried to choke me out by my scrum cap I'd probably be pretty fucking pumped up as well and then if I was right on a hair trigger and some dickhead squirted water in my face i probably snap like and i don't think anybody would have ejected like if 
he'd fucking like the him going for him is absolutely fine. It's the like if that had been the end of it, and either he'd got binned or they'd both got binned, I don't think anybody would have said anything else. No, like it would have been a stupid, funny thing that Joe Marler squirted water in James Haskell's face and got them both binned or got him binned. But, but they... it was the, it was the, like the absurd protesting and moaning and whinging to the ref that I think, oh, to be honest with you, I think probably made the ref more inclined to send him off. Well, the thing is, he should have got a yellow for that because my point about him not being the captain, I was asking yeah, that question be because like actually that. speaking to a ref like that, regardless of what's happened, you you, you, you should gone. get yeah. 10 minutes anyway because mm. you're not the captain. It's not an interview. The captain, you shouldn't speak to the ref like that either. No, 100%. Like, because I, yeah, I think we can all agree that Ross Moriarty is the arbiter of all good things in the world. <laughs> and uh, it did amuse me that he was obviously watching the game and was basically saying it was ridiculous that he got sinbin for it. But I think he was more from a point of view of the tweet I enjoyed was the one who deserves the slap should go. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah just, he was just coming from a different sort of uh, yeah. Yeah, a different. If people, can reta- if people can retaliate, maybe it'll stop the silly yeah. stuff in the first place. His was a, his I was particularly a, enjoyed. His was an ideological argument rather than a personal one. Yeah, his was and it came from very much an eye for an eye kind of place. <laughs> yeah, um, if you're going to cock about exactly... and get, you're going to get banned, and then you should yeah. be binned. <laughs> yeah, it's it's entirely what I would expect from Ross Moriarty, and I wouldn't want him to change in any way ever, but. Yeah, we can all, I think we can all agree that A, if Mahler had also got binned, totally fine. He was being a massive shithouse. Hmm. And, you know, if, if it hadn't been for the histrionic fucking prima donna bollocks with the ref, I don't think we'd be talking about it that much today. Like, we probably would, because it's funny. No, it's fu- it was like, actually genuinely, you don't, it was actually a little bit of a mini rumble that you don't see these days. There yeah, was no flailing arms. Was a, there wasn't was a big a pile probably... of people. They had a, a bit of space to go at each other. Yeah, you know, there wasn't proper, you know, fighting, but it was as no. close as we're ever going to get. It was a good take now by Haskell, to be fair. Fair play. He flipped him straight on the ground, it. yeah. Clearly, you know, breaking that, whoever it was, his hip or whatever it was in that training camp last year. I mean, it wasn't totally for waste because they... Uh, that's, all the, that's true, the, that's the England judo coming through, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. But, uh, yeah, you know, it was. It would have been... It's just, it's once again, his attitude causes far more problems and consternation than any of his actions do you know yeah because if he just come out today and said sorry everyone i lost it there and i definitely shouldn't have spoken to a ref like that me and joe are all right now we move on yeah yeah heat of the moment la da you know because that's the thing that fucking ground my gears like a motherfucker was people tweeting photos of the two of them like having a friendly hug at the end of the game of saying, oh, there's the true value of rugby. Well, no, look at it, because he's still fucking going on about it That's as if thing, he was yeah. in the right. He hasn't left it on the field, because now he's <laughs> having a go at everybody who's got a, an opinion about it. Yeah, if he'd have just gone, fair enough, and the, you know, and not and neither of them had said anything more about it, then yeah, fair enough, but he hasn't left it on the field. <laughs> he clearly is still... Oh, absolute penis. Let's leave it there, shall we? <laughs> What is once, what? What I we learned from this? About James Haskell than you. Did yeah, it sounds time. like what we learned from this is that you can't do that while he's singing. That's the main thing that you need to learn. <laughs> yes, exactly. What else did we learn then from the weekend? Um, while we go into I, the whole, you know, wider than this. Yes, I learned the Springboks were a little bit of a shambles. Well, it's sad in a way because it looked like it wasn't going to be a shambles, didn't it? After last year, it was getting a little bit better. Yes, they've looked fine. 
But a lot of teams look fine until the moment where they have to go to New Zealand and play New Zealand. And to be honest with you, they weren't bad for like 20 minutes or so. They were just hopelessly outclassed. Yeah. And and that's one of the things that's been points has been made, hasn't it? That actually we can all have a laugh at South Africa, you know, of course. Yeah, but yeah, um obviously. the there is that point about well actually New Zealand were very good. Were they fifty seven nil good? No. No, not at all. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yes, they were good, but it wasn't like it wasn't that. Yeah. They were it was just there was a gulf in class, but there was a just a gulf in everything. It was very sad to see, to be honest. I did like though that I discovered a new kind of sporting drama oh, watching yeah. that game. Because it was a bit nail biting at the end to, to see to find out if South Africa could find another way to fuck possession up that I hadn't seen yet <laughs> in that game. I was genuine I was edge of the seat stuff. It really yeah. was. Oh, 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 there it is. It was like uh, you know, when you see the documentaries about the David Attenborough programme cameramen who sit yes. waiting to see a snow leopard come out. And then get a brilliant <laughs> shot of one. It yeah. felt a bit like that. I'm going to sit here days. and see just how they'll somehow manage to fucking lose the ball again this time. <laughs> I mean, that line-out routine that we were drawn on, <laughs> it was one of the weirdest things. It was like a weird conger. <laughs> it was. It was like, do you know those games you used to play in, in you sometimes as doing training or at, like when you're on a away day with school where you had to pass something in between your legs and run round the back yes, and everyone had to sit like, down? It was like that, wasn't it? Yeah. It was like musical chairs without the chairs. Or Mike Reed's runaround from the 80s. <laughs> that is a deep cut. That is a deep um, That is a niche reference. <laughs> but like, yeah, I mean, it's. They basically just, and, and and that was a direct, like, that was part of the reason why it was such a fucking horrendous hammering, because they just kept conceding possession. Yeah. And every single, like, what, maybe one of those tries they scored wasn't off the back of a line-out set move. Oh, yeah, it was just horrendous. It was just, con- like, every time they had an attacking line-out in the 22, all of a sudden, they were just scoring off it, because it was easy. And... <laughs> You can't give New Zealand like 15, 20 chances in no. your 22 with off a line out because they will make you pay horrendously for it. There's a lot of a lot of people sort of saying, oh, well, you, a lot of people are saying, well, it puts <clears> the Lions <throat> performance into context. And we're going, no, no, it doesn't really. You can't keep them up. But actually, I think it, what it does, it puts it into context is that that's how you have to play against them. 100%. 100%. You, you know, if Yoani looked relatively ordinary. Yeah, you know, in he had his moments, but Jack, given what a talent he is and what he's looked like since, he mm. looked ordinary versus the Lions because the Farrell defense sorted that out. Yeah, the opposite happened on Saturday when he was up against that uh, rule, Raymond Rule, Raymond Rule, <laughs> who sounds like a character from Harry Potter. Yes, and defense and he looks like a swing door. <laughs> he looks like a swing door. I assumed he was some sort of pacifist. <laughs> that was why he defended the way he yeah. did. He just didn't agree Maybe. with this stuff. Yeah. He only agrees with running into open pasture and scoring. Yes, which I mean is is, the, is a purer kind of rugby, but I'm not sure it's a very effective one. <laughs> it's it's rugby for the many, not the few. But it's um, yeah, yeah. It was it was it's a it's a cliche to say that sport needs a strong South Africa rugby fucking does though, but it really fucking does. It really does. And when you've got the first in the world playing the third in the world, losing by 57 points, there's good, something very, very broken about your sport. Yeah. And that we because should all problem, be worried about, that, like, actually. Somebody needs to keep the All Blacks honest because 
if it's too easy, then the sport loses all of its interest. And South Africa or Australia have traditionally been able to do that. Mm. And to be honest, you look at it, and now you're honest, England are probably the only team that are capable of doing that. We're playing However, them next October now. It's been confirmed. Well, yeah, that's the thing. But and it's, it's like, been four fucking years since we last played them, which is yeah. probably good on one on one, one level. <laughs> that's a it good. Is, it's good. It's good on some level, but it's like really you need in the same way that sort of it'll it'll be bad for northern hemisphere rugby if england continue to win everything every year and it was a fucking great thing for northern hemisphere rugby that ireland beat england last year because it stopped this sort of inevitable progression and procession of wins like it's they can't the Southern Hemisphere rugby will not be interesting at test level if it is just All Blacks beating everyone by 50, 60 points. That's yeah. it's just not fun, is it? No, not at all. It can't be fun. We've said this before. It can't be fun for them either. No. Their fans. <laughs> it's just boring. Like being a Celtic and fan. The worst thing you ever... Yeah, the worst thing you ever want fucking top-level sport to be, particularly international sport, is boring. And even if it's fucking really exciting and really well-executed mm. and all that shit... If you score 100 points, but the opposition that scores 10, it's fucking boring. That's the thing about that Milner Scudder <coughs> try when um, Barrett threw the behind-the-back scissor. <laughs> it was outrageous. I didn't, particular, I didn't find that entertaining or likeable in any way whatsoever. I thought that was an absolute cunt's trick because Barrett, <laughs> could have, because Barrett could have just put his head down and scored there. Instead, yeah. he did the, you know, an all right audacity, and isn't that what the game's about? No, actually, I was fucking fuming. I'd have fucking pissed myself if Milner's going to drop that ball. I was willing for him <laughs> to do it. Because of that thing, because of that kind of Harlem Globetrotters thing, it's like, look, you're going to win anyway. Yeah. I don't find it particularly Nobody... nice that you're completely taking the piss. Nobody wants the Harlem, you know, wants Harlem Globetrotters versus the Washington Generals all the time because it's only entertaining in. Yeah, if you, like you say, if they do start just doing outrageous shit and one of the teams is basically a heel, like, yeah. <laughs> te- you know, the All Blacks are not the fucking Harlem Globetrotters. They are not the irrepressible good guys. And the rest of world rugby is not the fucking various heels and stooges that they've got to play. Like, yes. that shouldn't be the case. And, like, it felt like on the Lions tour that some of that invincibility and invulnerability was being chipped away at, but... And you know, let's yeah, be honest. A, a week, like that a week ago against Argentina, it felt a little yeah. bit like that as well. And in the in the Australia, put everything apart from the first week, it looked as you've said and we said. There's been periods when they've not been great. Mm. They've had half an hour engaged, they've not been great. But I think that could have happened this week again. But South Africa was so utterly shambolic and clueless that actually it wouldn't yeah. have been. It's teams turning up and knowing that they're beaten before they even stepped on the field, and that was kind of how it felt with South Africa this week. To be honest, speaking of teams that. You know, turn them and feel like they're beaten. Here's what I learned this weekend. It could be the Dragons' year, Josh. <laughs> it could be. Rule nothing the other else. week it was Gloucester's year, but this week it's Dragons' year. I'm convinced. Yeah, I'm, convinced yeah I mean, I've learned that making judgments, particularly about the Premiership after one game <laughs> yeah. a couple of weeks ago, was very silly. Because <laughs> especially Gloucester fans. Well, yeah, but I mean, like Saints look at like yeah, you know, we but, like, the Saints thing is linked to the shirt. Mm, That's the theory I'm testing. They've played absolutely diabolically in the neon shambles shirt. As as it should be, they've absolutely disgraced that awful shirt. (laughs) Um, But yeah, they look excellent, whereas we were relegating them after week one. 
Yes. Sarri's look as fucking pedestrian and disjointed and eh, as I've seen them in ages. Um, Quinn's look good again mm, yeah. and like hard and like tough and like resilient and niggly, which is a weird look for Quinn's. London Irish match bring a few surprises has now been one and truly booted into touching yes. through the back of the stadium and into the car park. Mm-hmm. And Gloucester are entirely Gloucester again. Yes, you know why, don't you? That's because another well, thing I learned this weekend: the coat of befuddlement <clears throat> is back. The also, first week no he was in no shirt sleeves no as well. Well, that's the thing. With it. There's a, yeah, the one bolt that was holding back together these two weeks has finally come out. Yeah, because they they were winning in spite type. Yeah, <laughs> they were winning one with no brew and two yeah. in ways I couldn't quite fathom. Yeah, in the first place, like, why do you keep winning? I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. understand how this that is happening. Game didn't make a great deal of sense. No, Priestland's the playing Saracen's better. Game Priestland's didn't make a great deal of no. sense. Priestland's playing better. That's helped. Yes, Falatau is still Falatau. Fatahuliyi is playing all right. Yeah, but it was mainly just <laughs> how could Rocker Daguni absolutely bail us the fuck out on all occasions. And, and that, that I same, guess that finally stopped. And that it? same question was asked last week. How is he? He has to be involved in the England squad. And then you saw the way he defended in that yeah, Northampton like, game. That, when you're, that's why he's not in the England squad. Why, yeah. That bit where he's supposed to stay out and he comes in and fucks it up for everybody. That's basically why he's not in the England squad. <laughs> yeah. Um, pretty 12, on the other hand. Everyone Pro 14, Josh. Good, Pro 14. Yeah, Pro 14, yes. Uh, everyone is about as good or as shit as I expected with the exception of the Dragons, which uh, I suppose we'll get on to. Um, but yes, uh, Rich, I, I also learned that I think Richard Cockerell might have found a new level of rage and fury on his rage and fury-ometer um, after losing at Trevita. I mean, he's had some bad moments in his career, but losing yeah. at home to an Italian team on a chilly Friday night in September has got to be a fucking low ebb. Let's not beat around the bush. Somebody sent me a picture on Twitter of there were about six Treviso fans dressed as Mario and Luigi and pizza slices <laughs> celebrating at the end. You gotta admire that kind of commitment. You have got to admire that kind of commitment. It's, it's yeah. I mean, it's a it's been a rough rough couple of days for for Richard Cocker. It's weird, funny actually. It's entirely unrelated, but it does. Uh, I heard actually while I was away on holiday, I was chatting to uh, some bloke around the pool in the in the very nice hotel that I was staying, and he was he was a Leicester fan. And he was he was telling me about you know how remember when did he say are ago, you Josh Gardner of the Blood and Mud Pod? He didn't know, he but I mean. <laughs> I would have done my ego absolute wonders, <laughs> but uh, sadly not. But you remember that brilliant moment a couple of years ago where um, Martin Castro Giovanni called Richard Cockerell a C-word in yes. the press conference? Peace and love. Um, I just don't like cons. <laughs> Still one of my favourite things <laughs> anyone's ever said. Um, and everyone assumed that that was to do with his um, departure from, from Leicester and everything. And then that sort of enduring yeah. bad luck. But apparently, according to this fella, um, he was actually, it was nothing to do with anything on the field at all. Mm-hmm. It was actually to do with um, a bitter dispute about a Subway franchise that the pair owned together. Subway, the, the popular sandwich shop. They, they own a couple of... of uh, yeah, of I know of them, in, yes. Yeah, they, they own a couple of, couple of Subway franchises in, in, in the greater Leicester area. And apparently Castro was dead set on um, providing free soft drink refills for customers. Um, yeah, that's the international Coppers. outlook, you see, isn't it? The international well, exactly. thinking. Well, yeah. thought, thought that made him a communist. So, <laughs> and, and instant, totally fractured the relationship. 
Castro Giovanni. Uh, I think I think they still own it together, but it's one of those sort of things where the owners are not really getting on. You know, they've got to do everything through mediators. Yeah. It's very sad. And the lad who's managing the branch is having a mare trying to get. Yeah, like, exactly. He's trying to get older than both. And they're like talking, and Castro's, you know, in a fucking pool in Vegas, and he's like, "Don't bother me. I don't care." Is yeah. So it's all very sad. You know, that is sad, sad actually, but it explains a lot. Yeah, it just because, shows why yeah. you shouldn't go into business with your friends. It does show that, yeah. Yeah. Or have podcasts with them. Well, yeah. Um, anyway. <laughs> what uh, What else did I learn this weekend? I learned, because I didn't know this until I watched the game of the weekend, that Vakatau is playing 15s. Is he? He's playing for Racing. Oh. Yeah. So he's actually playing 15 aside rugby now, which you know what's going to happen next, don't you? He's going to be dropped from the France squad now. Now he's actually playing 15 aside <laughs> rugby. There's, there'll be no place for that. Well, the problem is they'll now get to have an extended look at him as a 15s player. <laughs> Realising yeah, he's got fucking yeah, well, it what wasn't, doing. Saturday wasn't a great game, but it was a... Because I've got... Oh, fair play. A game kicked off Saturday at like 11 o'clock in the morning over here for the top 14. Of course, of course it did. Never let it be said that the top 14 isn't insanely insane in all ways. What I also and... learned this weekend is that professionals uh, do that thing that amateurs do as well by taking the fuck me that hurt rest break <laughs> when Curran Drani ran over the top of Nicolas Sanchez yes. and to be fair Sanchez put him down to be fair he did. Sanchez yeah. then lay on the ground and the physio come legging it on but yeah. obviously there was nothing wrong with it oh, the physio just came on to do like the sympathy protocol you know yeah, all right oh that fucking wrecked yeah. Him. yeah and then push he went his, oh, yeah. push, out his, push out his non-existent cramp and let you or the Get embarrassment injury. The emb- I had an embarrassment injury once when I, I came from one side of the field. I looped right round the back of the line to tackle a winger who was going down the other side. I cut across on the angle. I caught him, hit him, missed the tackle, and was I'd sprinted a full 40 metres to get to him. Missed the tackle and he scored. And I lay on the ground and like just put my hand up and the physio come running over. What's the matter? And I was like, I'm going to have to fucking make something up here. My pride. In the end, of the went, my knee feels a bit funny, but I, just give me a minute. And I just, I just got up then. But yeah, it was, uh, yeah, that was pretty embarrassing. Yeah. Speaking of that game, uh, oh, Argentina. Oh, it's yeah. not working out, is it? Like, it's, I, I, it's impressive how... They've gone from like World Cup semi finalists to absolute shambles. It's really what? hard to understand. I find it difficult to, to decipher exactly what specifically is going wrong because the set piece is still okay. Yeah. The playing staff are fine. They're good players. They're good players. Is it just the offloading and the, the, the inability to control possession? There's also this thing about dropping off in the last 20 minutes. A combination of fucking up the last pass all the time and then mm. almost saying the last 20 minutes I can't be asked anymore seems to be what's happening. It's weird, it isn't it? And it's because it's, this, like the whole Haguares thing was supposed to make it better and it has made it mm. demonstrably worse. And part of me, you know, I'm, I am 100% convinced a lot of this is due to the air miles that they're having to clock yeah. up. Yeah, and it would be fascinating to see over the next couple of years how Pro 14 teams that all of a sudden have an extra couple of thousand mile trips thrown into their domestic schedule, if they equally start to feel a bit. It won't be the same level, obviously, but if there's a noticeable fatigue in these teams, you don't have the jet lag, I suppose, do you? Yeah, Pro 14 trip. At least it's the same time zone. True, true that. 
but it's still a long time on a plane. But it's, yeah, this it's got to be part of it. And the way that the Haguaras play with almost no structure whatsoever, like say what you like about when they were all over the fucking world and playing in France and England and all over the shop. They and they might have not all played in the same system, but they all played in a system that, generally speaking, had some semblance of structure. And you know there was a game plan, and it wasn't mad. Does but, does Horkada manage the Jaguars as well? He doesn't. No. Hmm. I think his his attack coach or one of his assistants is technically the head coach of the Jaguars. But I'm not sure about that. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, it's just a bit weird. It's like they don't have any shape, or and it is exactly the same team. They should be excellent, and they are an absolute. Yeah, they've, they've, clown they've got car literally what, what no other. You'd think that any national team would want that, wouldn't they? It's the same yeah. squad. <laughs> it's literally like, that, like what they've tried to do is basically create the perfect situation for a test team, which is that they are playing together every fucking game of the season. It's just sometimes they're wearing black and orange and sometimes they're wearing blue and white. That should be the dream. <laughs> but and beautiful kits as well. I mean, you know, it's all, everything's going, you know, a brilliant mascot. Everything is going yeah. for you. And yet somehow it's it's gone terribly. And, you know, it's also proved to be absolutely zero um, deterrent to their best players leaving and going to play in Europe because... Mm. Quite a few, you know, the oh, what's his name? The big number eight of theirs who's brilliant. Isa. Fakundo Isa. Yeah, Fakundo Isa. Who's now at Toulon again. You're never gonna stop people leaving for Toulon money though, are you? Of course not. That's the but thing. There's nothing the you silliness. can do to create that. It's it's something that all you know, with the exception of New Zealand, all of the Southern Hemisphere teams have had to accept. You know, South Africa, Australia, they've both accepted that there is they cannot afford to just say, if you leave this country, then you're no longer playing for the national team because no. there's not enough players. It's like the Wales thing, isn't it? It's 100% like the Wales thing. Fucking the Wales Gatlin's thing is law, even more the, magnified. What is the point of Gatlin's Ga- Has Gatlin's law ever been applied to anybody, ever? Well, Or if it um, has been, has it ever been applied to the benefit of somebody still based in Wales? No, not really. Well, we're about to have a, another fun test case where it will be proved to be absolute bollocks when Reese Webb and Dan Bigger are playing outside of Wales next year. Um, yeah. But it's. But the whole point of Gatlin's Law, I mean, Phil, Do- Phil Dolman, lovely oh. story in being called up. But yes. if Gatlin's Law is working, why does he get a call up and Reese Patchell doesn't? Yeah, no, 100%. How it's does that make any sense? Stupid. It's entirely stupid. They, 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 the whole Gatlin's Law thing was basically the stick and National Duet contracts are supposed to be the carrot. But you can't you can't bully players into coming to play for you. And the, Australia, the Malcolm Tucker carrot like, and stick approach. Yeah. <laughs> but like, take a carrot, stick it up his ass, followed by the stick, followed by an even bigger carrot, that kind of thing. Yeah. But... Yeah, New Zealand are the only team in the world that can do that, and that's because New Zealand makes no fucking sense because they're a bit like yeah. I. We've tried many times on this podcast to understand how they are capable of producing so many fucking brilliant rugby players. It defies logic. It defies reason. They're just. It's they're not like anybody else, 
And there's, everybody else thinks they're like that. Oh, you know, if this person leaves, there'll be another, you know, it's just an opening for another young player to come in and stake their claim. No, there is a finite number of good rugby players in your country. And you cannot afford, to, and particularly with fucking Argentina, Jesus Christ, they have not got that many rugby players. They cannot afford to go to Fundavisa. Yeah, don't worry about it, mate. Fuck off. I'll be honest, I don't know much about rugby in Argentina below the sort of professional level of the national team. I haven't got mm. time to read about this stuff, but I assume it's basically just produ- It's just people in the private schools that play it, right? Yeah, I think I'm guessing like so. A, they've got like a club game, but it's you know. Well, that's the feeder for it, isn't it? There's yeah. no sort of. I imagine. I don't know. Yeah, I'm just googling number of rugby players in Argentina. <laughs> um, well, before we go down that and end up there, go on. There are 102,000 registered players and 420 clubs in. Uh, in Argentina, which is actually more than uh, than Australia, but we all know that Australia is a fucking shambles. Yeah, not a good example, but yeah, yeah. So compare that to South Africa, where there are six hundred fifty thousand registered rugby players. Yes, or indeed in England, where there are, hang on, that can't be a one point nine million. I mean, how many of them have defined it? You know, that's probably somebody who turns out for vets every eight months. Well, okay, let's go senior males then, because that's the probably... Yeah, so 131,000 senior males in England compared with... Oh, well, that's affected things dramatically. Where the fuck has Argentina gone on this list? (laughs) They're not not even on the list. Uh, There's no no figures for senior males in Argentina, but uh, total males is somewhere in the region of 10,000. So, you know, yeah, it's you just You get not, the picture. Yes. Yeah. There's, the there's demonstrates itself, yes. There's quite demonstrably not as many players in, you know... Interestingly, I've just noticed that Malaysia has got more senior male players than Wales has. Um, <laughs> uh, as I, wonder how, I wonder how rugby's going in Malaysia by and large right now. Yeah, and Sri Lanka, for that matter. Well... Um, but, yeah, this is the point. They they don't have the resources. They simply do not have the luxury of being able to turn these players. And it's exactly the same as South Africa. It's exactly the same as Australia. If they wish to com- to actually compete with the All Blacks, they need every single resource at their disposal. And and they're just not using them at the moment, and it's a bit silly. And in, having said all of that, Argentina mm. work, you know, do, do look competitive in games for about an yes. hour. You know, that's yeah. the and, and it's they actually piss a load of points away, leaving aside Buffelli and his giant mm. cannon foot kicking him in from yes. sixty meters. They actually piss a lot of points away with that stupid last pass. Yeah, no. So they t- could be even more in games. So you know, they're not far off. I've said all of that. You mentioned no. Wales there. Mm. Um, this isn't what I learned, but I just I was thinking to myself, Gatland was in the um, crowd for the Ospreys game. Can can you imagine after watching that how many times he had to phone Bryn? Yeah. To make himself feel a little bit better. Literally all the way back to Cardiff <laughs> and then for the entire rest of the evening. <laughs> he was on the phone F- every fifteen minutes. Oh I mean you know, I don't wish to be fucking Nostradamus here. <laughs> but before the season even started, 
I think I am on record on this podcast as saying that this was going to be a fucking disastrous year for the Ospreys. I, I, before you and, carry on, are you going to are you going to need the music? Uh, maybe, yeah. Actually, go full music. <laughs> like it's been so like we lot we beat Zebra barely at home in week one. Then, mercifully, I wasn't in the country to see us get absolutely prison-shamed by Glasgow. But I was, unfortunately, watching as we got utterly fucking bitch-slapped at home by a very poor team, Munster team. It was, like... It's it's just such a disaster. <laughs> like, as I stated before, like, something is clearly and demonstrably rotten in the state of what some adults actually call Australia with a straight face <laughs> um, like obviously the week started off brilliantly Dan Biggers going to Northampton like his, his relationship with Steve Tandy has disintegrated to such an extent that even the boom or bust purgatory of Saints which George North can tell him all about yes seems attractive meanwhile Reese Webb is reportedly actively courting spending the next three years in Murad Bujalal's insane asylum. <laughs> like, oh, imagine the, the tan, though. Oh, I know. But, like, losing one British lion, Irish lion is unfortunate, but losing two at the same time, that is cause for alarm. Like, as we were saying, national dual contracts, they were supposed to mean that this wasn't supposed to happen with senior Wales internationals Indeed. anymore. Yeah. But the truth of the matter is, if I'll players the don't want to be there, there, there you go. Yeah, it's probably, it's probably a bit over the top, isn't it? Um, yeah. <laughs> truth, truth is, if players don't want to be there anymore, like, no amount of money from the WRU is going to convince them to stay. And it's clear that the environment at the Ospreys is now clearly so fucking toxic that our best and most experienced players literally cannot handle it anymore. Which, I mean, God alive. And the, and the thing, thing is, fuck? there's only so many... T- you can take one view to say, as a general point, well, they're players and they should, but <clears throat> once this happens, there's no coming back, in my experience. 100%. There's no, no coming back. In my experience, when you look at examples of when this has happened, it doesn't come back from here. No, it's gone. Like, Steve Tandy basically signed his own resignation letter on Saturday afternoon because he yeah, I think came he out know, and... He? Yeah, yeah it, might, it probably won't happen until the end of the season. And fuck me, it might not. Technically, it might not even happen for three years because the region is so <laughs> tight they probably can't afford to pay the fucker off. True. But, you know, to come out and basically slate your entire team for not bothering in the third game of the season is, you know, that's beyond the... the like, I mean, the problem is that he's at the root of it all. And it's very obvious. I mean, he's a man so bland and uninspiring that I regularly forget his name despite the fact that he's been head coach of my team for three years. That's 100% true. I regularly forget Steve Tandy's name. And like, yeah, okay, he won the Pro 12, like what, two months after he got thrust into the role in a cost-cutting exercise. Yes. Um, But the Ospreys have regressed dramatically since that point, to the point where, like, let's not forget, when he took over, the Ospreys were deemed to be underachieving because they weren't winning the Heineken Cup. Yes. And now they That's, can count. That seems like such a long time there. ago now, doesn't it? It does, yeah. When people were slating them for only getting to the quarterfinals. Like, 
There'd be a fucking parade if they got out of their group these days. And most of the time, we're going to count ourselves fucking lucky to even be there. Like, he won that Pro 12 all those fucking years ago with Shane Williams, Ryan Jones, Adam Jones, Richard Hibbard, Khan Fatua Lee, Ian Evans. Like, that team didn't need a lot of coaching at that point because it was stacked with leaders and it basically ran itself for a few months. And what he's done since is just make it so much worse. Like... The fact that they've given him a new deal, three years, in a in a which is unheard of in rugby. You almost never hear about coaches publicly having their new deals announced what? and the length of it. I can't understand un- the reason of it. It's really is it because he's very well in with the people who run the club? Is it that they look around and think, you know what, we really can't fucking afford anybody else who's half decent? Although I don't believe that that can be true. No, I don't believe that. Uh, well, let's not forget that the CEO of the Ospreys is Andrew Millward, who. Uh, is an ex-Hospreys hooker and former teammate of Steve Tandy. Oh, right. Yeah, it reeks. It's fucking jobs for the boys, and it shouldn't be happening in top-flight rugby. But here we are. And it did when they announced that three-year extension, it was almost like they were trying to make a point to certain players that he's, you know, he has the it's the yeah. dreaded fucking vote of confidence thing of them saying we're so giving you him a can make as much deal. noise and as much trouble as you want he's still not going yeah, anywhere, he's still not going anywhere yeah. which has had the exact opposite effect of driving two of the osprey's best players out the door um and destroying any semblance of team cohesion and morale on the field by the looks of it like to have the nerve to come out and blast his players for effort and heart after that game it's just another example of how he just he's lost it he's lost the dressing room he shouldn't be in charge next week, let alone in 2020. Because every week it's getting worse. And every week he stays, it's going to be a step back. Like, we all, like the Ospreys won't be this bad all season. Because in a few weeks, Alan Wynn Jones will come back into the side. And he's actually the only pl- person that anyone on that team listens to. And it's very obvious. Because when he's in the team, they look like a team. And when he's not, they're a fucking shambles. And that's depressing on its own because he won't be playing for much longer. And, you know, if Bath offer him a fucking vast amount of truck of money next season, I imagine he'll be off. But well, he will go, won't it, he? Because he wants to... Yeah, he'll go. He wants He wants to stay local he, relatively, doesn't he? Yes, he's got, you know... The only thing that's kept him here this long is admirable loyalty to the region. And his family. And his father died, I imagine. And his fa- you know, his father's passed away, his mum's on his own. He doesn't want to go to fucking Toulon or anywhere like that. But Bath, he Perfect. can still live in Swansea and play for Bath. That's piss easy. <laughs> That's two hours down the M4 a couple of times a week. And, yeah, you know, if he goes, the wheels will be permanently off. Which is a terrifying, you know, it's <laughs> it's kind of... It's kind of good because everything that I've kind of said over the last year or so on this it podcast... It is true. You have kind been, of, you've been very consistent with your view on this. It's coming home. It's kind of, it's kind of like watching your own house burn down, <laughs> knowing that you, know, you had a load of stuff inside that you didn't particularly like in the first place, but it's still your house. You know, It's like you're thinking about the insurance and you're thinking, well, I could get a new sofa. I never really liked that one anyway. But at the end of the day, it is still your fucking house burning down. <laughs> and it's a lot of aggro and admin. It's just a lot of aggro without. and admin. And it's going to be a lot of aggro and admin this season. But I, 
It will be. I'm. It's. It's you. It's horrible. But you find yourself being sat as a fan of a team and thinking we're playing the Scarlets at the end of the month, and they could put fifty points on us again. And I kind of hope they do, because every one of those kind of results brings him closer to the door. And that is a fucking horrible state of affairs to be in with a team that you care about. But so um, here we are. Uh, by and large. How would you say it was going? All together now, ladies and gentlemen. Wonderfully. <laughs> terribly. <laughs> Deary yes, me. By and large, it is going fucking terribly. I was. Unless you... In, in case... You, it's going fucking terribly all over Wales except for Newport this weekend. And which, we are, uh, yeah, truly, we are living in the future. <laughs> and George North <laughs> smiled in a Northampton shirt. This is... No, we are through stuff. the fucking looking glass. It's... Niall lives on a hill. A very steep hill, which is great for the calf muscles, but when it comes to squeezing in and out of that parking space between the neighbours' pride and joy, Niall begins to worry. I wonder if they use recycled plastic to make all the recycling bins. In the new Dacia Duster with automatic gearbox and hill start assist, at least hills are nothing to worry about, and from only €45 per week on the road, nor is the price. Visit the Dacia sales event from the 18th to the 20th of November. Don't worry, be Duster. Offer made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. See Dacia.ie. From catching the bus for a family adventure, taking a tram to work, hopping in a taxi for your big night out, or simply relaxing on the train for your next shopping trip. Transport for Ireland is here to reconnect you with all you've missed and everything you want to do. Please do mask up, use a TFI Leap card where possible, respect each other and be patient so we can all travel safely. Reconnect with the Transport for Ireland network. Right then, now we've finished off with that, let's just do a quick roundup of the huge, massive, huge seismic shifts in the Cuthbert Police on Cup this weekend. Oh, what a glory. I, who saw this coming? Well, no, the I, Cuthbert I Police me. on Cup account itself said, you know, we have to remind everybody, remind everyone that the Dragons don't tend to hold on to it very long. They don't. It is very true. So even I... after now having it three times, they've still only got 1.67 matches per period held. Fair play to them. And it's Fair now... play to them. They've now got three. It's three of the Irish teams and three of the Welsh teams have had it, and that's correct. Munster yes. still haven't had it. Scarlet still haven't had it. Scarlet still haven't had it. Connacht have now got it. There, they can now yep. clutch the Cuthbert Police and Cup to their failure entrenched bosom for yep. however long they're going to play. I'm not sure who they're playing next. I've not looked. And they've got Cardiff next, actually, which. Uh... <laughs> Well, it's always... I think we all know how that's going to go, don't we? <laughs> oh, it's, I feel for Cardiff because they often do this with with the CPC. They just a team's had it for like a, a decent, like a half decent team gets it for a week, and then they're always next up. And that's true. and then they have to keep it for like a month. Yeah, they had the whole bath switcheroo last 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 year. Yeah, they? lost and won oh, in this place of a yeah, back to back European got... fixture. Yeah, there's Cardiff at the sports ground on Saturday. Oh, yeah, that's that's only going one way, isn't it? So, Connick fans yeah. out there, there are any. You don't have to worry too much. You're not, you're not going to have very long. i tell you what, long. though. If Cardiff can somehow squeak out a win there. Mm-hmm. Oh, here we go. It's... Have they got Cheaters next or something? Scarlet's away is next. Right. Then Ulster away. Then, then, Oyana. Oh, <laughs> <Challenge> <laughs> now, yes. 
No, there's far too much going on there. That's never going to happen. It's almost it's a hundred percent going to Cardiff. I I'm not gonna. But oh, what's Cardiff's fixtures like? <laughs> See, this is the problem. When you get down, I'm I'm doing it again, despite telling myself not to get. Oh, yeah, oh, don't make bank. plans. You should know this. You, it's worse than Hurricane know, Irma for CPC. It is. I tell you what, though, if Cardiff get it next weekend, uh, they're away to Munster. They're going to lose that. And then, at home to the Dragons. Oh, it's going to be hand, handed straight back. Oh, that would be sad. That Although, trap, be, it? They are, if they can somehow lose to the Dragons at home, they will then have Leon in the Challenge Cup at home the weekend. That's after. a more realistic situation. Come on, Dragons. I like Please. I, like that. I, lo- I mean, I'm sorry, Cardiff fans. But I like the thought of either you giving it to Leon at home on the 13th of October, or if you can somehow win that game, maybe losing away to Toulouse the following Friday would be either glorious. Either those will do. I'd take either. Let's just get it out of the Pro 12. It's boring in the They'd Pro They'd have to 12. beat Leon, though, wouldn't they, to hand it over to Leon? At home, though. And Leon won't give a fuck about the challenge. Carl Cup. Ferns can take it on his ghost train. Yes. He'd like, he'd like that. He could use it as like a little Jaguar style ornament. He could. On the front, like a what's it, what they call those things on the front of ships? Um, I don't know. Figureheads. Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. <laughs> um Right then, while we're on that, ninety nine problems in the Hasgate one. Do you remember that, Josh? Oh, I do remember that. Yes. Sometime back in the misty past of this podcast. Mm, yeah, another one of those aborted regular features. We had a regular we, feature yeah. where we said we would we would start listing ninety nine problems that rugby has and the Hask not being one. And the Hask this weekend yeah. reminded me. And we've been moaning about a lot of stuff. Surprisingly, I know, ladies and gentlemen, we've been moaning about a lot of things recently. That's not so I thought it's all. it's best to go and revisit where we're up to with ninety nine problems in the Hasgate one. Mm. If you go to the bloodandmud.com on the podcast thing on the menu at the top and click on that. In that menu, it's in there. 99, 99 problems in Housegate 1. So this is where we're up to so far. Number one, the LV Cup. Yeah. Number two, missed tackles. Yeah. Number three, playing annoying music after scores. Oh, 100%. Number four, the bell end that shouts on the PA before Toulon matches. Yeah. Number five, all bell ends that shout on all PAs before every match everywhere. <laughs> yes. Number six, ref suits out, use it, and then let the scrum half do whatever he likes anyway. Oh, my God, that's so much. Seven, crooked scrum feeds. Eight, yes. the Pro 12 can't afford TMOs for every match. Now, is that still the case? We don't I know. I think they might have got rid of that now. Number I nine. Might have, I think they might have sorted that out now that we're fucking flush with, with <laughs> bans. Sponsor money. Yeah. Uh, number nine, try gifts on Twitter. Oh, so much. So bad. Number ten, two-minute selection videos on Twitter. A million percent, yes. Number 11, pre-selection tweets on Twitter from Bristol RFC using GIFs to create non-existent excitement. Have you seen those? <laughs> I, have, I saw exactly what you mean. For example, yeah. last week, 11 changes at the start in 15, 7 age under 24, 2 on their competitive debuts. More news yeah. at midday, and then a GIF of Leonardo DiCaprio in The Wolf of Wall Street looking like tense. Yeah. No. Just no. Number 12, Stuart Barnes. <laughs> obviously number 13 all the words spoken by Stuart Barnes yeah and then that's where we've got to so we're long way um, off the 99 yeah we'll get we'll get there we'll get there I'm sure we could probably throw a few more in this week couldn't we we probably I mean, could Steve Tandy Steve Tandy can go straight in there he's a problem for the right. whole of rugby obviously yes Steve Tandy. have you ever seen a photo of Steve Tandy where he looks happy 
That is true. He does have a very, he does have a very never... forbidding look, doesn't he? He just he looks he always looks like somebody's just rung him up and told him that that quote that he's got for his MOT is going to be much more than he originally thought. Yeah, or Curry's have phoned and it's they won't be here before twelve after all. It'll be between <laughs> three and six. That kind of look. Yeah. Um, oh, speaking speaking actually of refs who shout use it and then let's scrum off do whatever he likes anyway. At yeah. the end of the Wasps Quins game yesterday, that absolutely boiled my piss because the ref was shouting use it and there was a clear five or ten seconds where Danny Kerr did absolutely nothing with the ball hmm. and it was just stood there and nothing. It's like, either do it, just fucking blow up for it. Yeah. That's the whole point of that rule being there is so teams can't do that. Fucking blow for it. Ugh, anyway. Shall we play Would You Rather? Yes. Uh, shall I go first? Go on then. Um, would you rather have a four-minute conversation with Austin Healy about Austin Healy or would you suffer, rather suffer every single one of Johnny Wilkinson's career injuries in one go? Oh. <laughs> now I'm going to try to remember all Johnny Wilkinson's career injuries now. What would actually <laughs> be left lot. of my body? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's lacerated kid, kidneys in there, so which has always been the one that has yeah. made me just go, and a ruptured spleen. Here we go. I've got a list of Johnny Wilkinson's injuries. This was only in 2008, mind you. So That's when they kind of uh, stopped, mainly. Yeah, ankle ligament damage, mm. um, fractured ooh, fractured facet in his shoulder, mm. uh, recurrence of that shoulder injury, shoulder injury again, uh, hematoma in the upper right arm, yeah. knee ligament damage, uh, medial ligament damage, another shoulder injury, appendix operation, uh, groin problem, torn abductor muscle, knee ligament injury, uh, kidney damage, lacerated kidneys, uh, twisted ankle, shoulder surgery again, and knee ligament damage. And that's just up to uh, September 30th, 2008. There was I'll a few more what, after He that. was in the wars, that lad, wasn't he? He did have a hell of a lot of. <laughs> to answer bad your shit question, to... I think I'd take all of those because one, I trust our, our NHS. To deal with it yeah, correctly. Do that. Two, I could probably get six months sick pay, and I could rest up and catch up on a load of DVDs. All of That's which true. is all of which is far preferable to four minutes in the presence of the of the uh, the evil gnome and his views of the yeah. world. And of I mean, himself. I'm completely in agreement with you there. To be honest, would you rather wake up next to Dave Rennie dressed as <laughs> Ron, dressed as Ronald McDonald saying you're loving it, or wake up next to <laughs> or Wake up next to John Kingston, dressed as Colonel Sanders, saying you were finger-licking good. <laughs> I realise that nobody wants to be put in this kind of Absolutely shit. nightmare visions. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry for people on the way to work who've just had breakfast. Yeah, I'm glad I ate quite a few uh, like an hour ago. It's fine now. Um, oh, God, I mean, that is hard. <laughs> Not in that way. Um, <laughs> it's going to have to be Dave Rennie, isn't it? I mean... I think it's not as creepy, that like. one, is it? Even if, he's dressed as, <laughs> even if he's dressed as a clown, it's still more palatable than I John t- Kingston, with the greatest respect to John Kingston. Oh, I'll tell you what, I am glad I'm glad Harlequin started winning, because imagine if John Kingston started comfort eating if the, if, if, <laughs> if the season was going bad. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? I mean, I feel like he's lost a bit of weight, actually. 
you might feel that got, way, but when he are you using your eyes to control that feeling at all? When they no, I'm telling you, when he was revealed as the director of rugby, he looked like he was literally minutes from death, <laughs> and uh, the massive coronary yeah, can't do gonna... stairs, nothing. No, uh, and yet now, I mean, he doesn't look. You know, he's not in fine fettle, but he looks like he might have had one of those gastric bands fitted. You know, no. Even so, I say I'm glad they're winning because. You know, yeah, he can maintain some of the equilibrium in no. his diet. Yeah. Have you got another um, one? Yes. So would you rather be Joe Marler's solicitor or Mike Brown's mindfulness coach? Joe Marler's solicitor because I think he'd take advice. That's a very good point. Yeah. I don't At least think he would that, be totally yeah. wasted. I think he is genuinely apologetic of what he's done afterwards, whereas with yes. Mike Brown, I would, yeah, that would be, a, that would be oh, you get home every day. Yeah. I'd probably start drinking again if I was Mike Brown's a... <laughs> Mindfulness coach. Yeah. You hand in the little book of calm and he just throws it at you. <laughs> what the fucking hell's this? <laughs> uh, what's my last one? Would you rather, own, mm. for, for the rest of your life, only be able to talk like Jiffy's off-camera outbursts or only be able to talk in Eddie Butler's montage voice? Oh, montage voice all the way. Yeah, 100%. it'd take a yeah. long time to get things done, wouldn't it? But it would probably it be would. less. It wouldn't. But people would be very respectful of the way that you did it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what would? How would that work? Going to the off license and stuff. Marvelous. Yeah, I mean, twelve. Yes. <laughs> a drink tonight. I mean, that's something like that, wouldn't it? <laughs> Whereas Jeff, exactly. you'd, you'd just be Who ranting about that level of gravitas and drama yeah, added to their everyday life. Everywhere I mean, you would go, wouldn't it? It is. Yeah. <laughs> The pan, water <laughs> inside, potatoes boiled to perfection. It'd be all that, wouldn't it? Yeah. Whereas Jiffy, well, why you trying to walk, talk like Jiffy's off-camera outburst the whole time? Oh, God, that would just get... I mean, even you'd be annoyed by yourself, wouldn't you? <laughs> you would just... Dinner! Oh, I'm, so, I'm sorry. This is all I can't... Just, I can't, just random all voices I all the time. Yeah. I'd, I'd probably start using one of those, like... Uh, text-to-speech app things to communicate with people as an alternative. To you be need honest. you need a hawking machine. Yeah, yeah, like or one of those like white those like whiteboards that you put around your neck and you just write on them with a dry white marker saying, "I'm sorry, I talk like Jiffy." <laughs> Blackboard around your neck, the whole thing. Yeah, you'd have to go full <laughs> traditional, wouldn't you? Yeah. So he'd want it. That's how he'd want it. Yeah. Should we do uh, shit good? I think we probably, we probably should. I mean, we're already an hour in. It's just, right. you know, the full 45 minutes on Haskell hasn't helped. But, um, no. Should we do you good knew, You all knew what you were signing up for. You knew. You all knew what was coming. Is it? Probably some of you were only tuning in for this. You probably stopped listening after that. Yeah, probably. I don't, I'd love to see the drop-off stats on the, on the, on the, on the, on the stat thing. The, I, I, I imagine the second that you turn the uh, melodramatic music off on the Osprey's rants, that it goes through the floor. That's my guess. But... Right, uh, good for me. Yes. Da- David Ribbons, yes, for Northampton. Where did he come from? I've got no idea. South Africa, I obviously, exactly that... the same thing. Um, also, uh, Jean Klein uh, Monster was very good as well. Both fucking excellent young South African locks, both having stormers on the same weekend that their countrymen get absolutely humiliated. Yeah. Um, coming back to that talent drain thing we were talking about earlier, yeah. A bit of a problem. What else was good? That first Dragons try. 
Jamie oh, Phillips and God, Jamie, you've been a long time listener, and God bless you, you've been a long suffering Dragons fan. <laughs> and he came out and basically <laughs> said, "Good was Dragons hooker Elliot D, superb oh, man of the match performance, and an mind. offload Dane Coles would have been proud." It was a lovely try, a genuinely it was, it was lovely try. The Jackson Revolution starts here. They nearly scored a lovely. Well, in fact, I thought they did score a lovely try last oh. week that was ruled out by the shithouse grass bastard TMO. <laughs> uh. And when it didn't even look like the guy was in touch to me, not clear enough for the TMO to get fucking involved anyway. Uh, so actually, yeah, that and that, that was one that was worked through phases, then a cross kick that led to that try last week. So actually, I think, mm. yeah, the, the Jackman they're, they're, revolution is happening. It will be bizarre when they are not the worst region in Wales this year. Hey, I wonder, how Kingsley, really I wonder how Kingsley Jones is getting on with his um, WRU Skype job. Oh, yeah, he's I've like... Not heard much. He's, he's, he's literally... Got a job where he's just using Skype to network with people. Yeah, about. he's just like keeping an eye on people via Skype, which sounds like he's a stalker. Maybe he is, but it, it's, I haven't heard much from him. I'll put it that way. It's obviously have, keeping him busy. That what else the have you got that's good there? Anything? Um, tell you what, Cheetahs versus Zebra. Um, one for being the rematch from the animal world that we've always <laughs> dreamed of. But um, it was also a very entertaining game. It like was. 54-39. Yeah, it was, it, like, was, it was entertaining in a slightly batshit manner. But yeah, yes, I, don't, I don't want every game to be like that. But let's not forget what Zebra fans usually have to put up with. They scored 39 points in a game, for God's sake, and played some Harlem Globetrotters rugby along the way. I think they'll probably take that every week. Yeah, big crowd. Would, Wonderful. Yeah. Speaking of, yeah, I will come to that. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, what else was good? Uh, yeah, go on. Other goods for me, uh, Sam Simmons. Proof, if it were needed, that Chubby Tommy has, if not been robbing a living, <laughs> then certainly borrowing it. Because uh, you, can't, yeah. you can't say that somebody who scores that many tries is robbing a living. Well, like, well you can, I know that. But, I, you know. I can, and I have. Um, but look, look at how much better Exeter look and more dynamic Exeter look with an actual athlete. At number eight, he's been fucking brilliant, and he's probably going to play for England quite soon, I would imagine. Um, Speaking yeah. of playing for England, David Hornsby said good was Sam, Sam Underhill for steadily driving nails into the coffin of James Haskell's international career with every <laughs> he, hit he I, makes. He makes me so sad every time I watch him now because yeah. it's like he's another one fucking gone. It was good. Although, to because... be fair, BT Sport have now jointly crowned him and Marcus Smith as super mega chief masters of all humanity. Yes, it With... is a little bit tiresome, isn't oh, it? Oh, God, I tell you what. I tell you what, though, fucking El Samandel is shitting good. He is. He is. An ab- he tackles like a fucking train. His tackling is ridiculous. And what, is ridiculous. He runs good support. Like He hasn't had much chance to show it. Obviously, he's only had one start for Bath, but he runs bloody lovely support lines as well. He is depressingly good. What else have we got that's good here? Uh, the black and red mm. uh, Edinburgh uh, fan page, yeah. bless you, said that good was that Benetton weren't at least holding the CPC. That is good. He's cl- he says, I'm clutching yeah. at straws here to find a positive for the fact that we lost to them on Friday. <laughs> yeah. yeah, nice try. I like it. Yeah, it's glad that we've added something to, you know. Yeah. When t- you lose to a shit team, it's like, wow. That's true, isn't I mean, it? Yeah. At least it could have been worse. It wasn't a CPC game. You know? could, it wasn't a CPC decider, yeah. <laughs> what else we got? Um, other good for me, um, the revival of London Welsh. 
Um, now playing in Hearts and uh, Middlesex Division 1. Loft, dizzying heights. And it was all a bit sad. It was. When London Welsh got wound up last year. But it's actually really nice how I was reading a thing on Wales Online today about how it's basically kind of taken the club back to what it used to be in the 70s, i.e. a club for Welsh expats in London um, who want to play a game of rugby. And, you know, they've got they've got Sonny Parker involved there. They've got Kai Griffiths on as player coach. Um, but they couldn't actually be what they were in the Premiership or the Championship because you have to have, like, the bulk of your squad's got to be English qualified. Mm. But now, you know, they can rightly and properly be the thing that they were actually supposed to be in the first place, which is, you know, an expats club that's designed to be a sort of social and community hub for people from there in the big city and it sounds like you know they they played their first couple of games and it sounds like it's it's really brought something back to old deer park and you know and of course going back to the 70s and everything felt much more comfortable is very with the zeitgeist that couldn't be i could not be more now let's face it <laughs> um yeah i mean they're going to move up the league i'm sure and they will move up the divisions because they've got you know a following and they've got and a brand people will want to play for them and all Absolutely. that kind of stuff um but i do hope that this time they don't lose the spirit of what london welsh is um as they do and you know i don't want them to get too big again i don't want them to be trying yeah. to be in the premiership i want them to be well if it doesn't you know, work there's no point is there no they play high. it amused me that um in uh the hearts and middlesex division one london welsh will be playing london french which is a team I didn't know existed. Are London Scottish still around as well? Uh, yeah, they, well, they were in the championship. As, oh, of course. Uh, yeah. they, might, they might actually be now, but um, they definitely were last season. But, uh, yeah, I like all this sort of like... Well, it's really funny because what... if you look at Rugby League, my my town where I'm from, Lee, has they're, they're the top amateur team in Lee is... Well, there's two, but historically the top one is Lee Miners from the old Miners Welfare Club, and there's <laughs> Lee East as well. And they're in the National Conference, which is the top amateur division. I mean, it's, it says national, but really it's just the north. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But what I mean is there's no suggestion that Lee Miners are ever going to go into a professional league setup. They're just in yeah. that division, and they might win it or they might not. And so, But that's that's the top of their pyramid. And there's something yeah. to be said for you. You don't always have to be moving towards being a professional club in the top. No, and I think that there's a lot to be said for, for teams like London Welsh. Who've you know particularly ones that have been burned by professionalism mm. quite so badly as they have, just going you know what, let's let's put our dreams of world domination on hold because we never have to be. Let's just sort of get ourselves up to a tidy level yeah. of the English national tier, and let's be what we're supposed to be. Let's be a club for expat Welshmen in London, and continue to play at Old Deer Park. And continue to do all that good shit that we always used to do, and not worry about fucking trying to be a professional club and trying to make a load of fucking money, and just just find just your be level. A good, find yeah, your be le- a good community club. Find your level, like Gloucester have. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what did oh, I think was dear. good for the weekend? Uh, Johnny Hill's try for Exeter. Did you see the Johnny Hill try? I did actually. The yes. lock. He looked like a giraffe doing the hopscotch out there. It was fantastic. <laughs> he caught the ball and kind of. 
just looked like the most awkward thing in the world running. Then fell out. Yeah, he, he even had to fall over and roll in to the to, even though he had open space in front of him. It was it was great. That's, it's that kind of level of graceful ungracefulness is is kind of what makes rugby so brilliant at times. <laughs> it's like yeah, it's like oh it's fuck, just... what am I doing here? Oh shit, yeah. I've got the ball. Oh bollocks, there's the try line. It, it, it was... Yeah. Giant men fucking slaloming with no business to it towards, you know, making their limbs do things they never should. Um, yeah, it's equally in terms of big men doing things that they fucking shouldn't. The Wellington hooker, whose name I forgot. Oh, the video from the Mighty Ten Cup. Oh, my he God. He tore it up in the Under-20 World Cup. I genuinely well, don't he? know if it was good or bad. Because it kind of made me a bit sick, really. It's like, seriously? I know we live in the, the age of the fucking Hollywood hooker. The turbo hooker. But, but he was literally like, that was Shane Williams quick. It was not just the quick, it was in and out. Yeah, It was the, the in glorious and in and out that he did. It was disgusting, really. Oh, like, you, you shouldn't be doing that as a front rower. It's obscene, but brilliant. Fair play. It's... Asafo um, uh, Oama Amua Amua probably uh, I'm going to bail out of that one now but um, yes apparently he did he score uh, a hat trick in the uh, under 20s oh, world yeah. championship yeah, final against him of course he did obscene. of course he did yeah I mean he's he not the second it... coming and the saviour of all humanity like Marcus Smith though no obviously <laughs> well, who isn't I mean I, I refuse did you see to that video. That I refuse to believe that anyone with that haircut can be the saviour of humanity. Lovely thick Sorry. hair, though. I do like, like a man Very with a thick, thick head hair. of hair. Yeah. The, the, um, did you see Fafita's video this week? You saw Fafita against Argentina with his ridiculous pace. Yeah. yeah. Did you see the video of him this week that everyone was sharing, which was a penalty, by the way. Have you seen that? <laughs> I haven't seen that, no. Well, he gets thrown the ball. He was a beautiful step, and he's out on the wing, and he literally mm. hurdles a tackle. Oh, well, that's illegal. But it's, well, it's a penalty, yeah. But yeah. it's amazing because he hurdles it like a high hurdler. Like one leg leading, one leg behind, with a bloke who's like stood up like full six feet in height. It's the most athletic thing you've ever seen. But so, so, so basically, yeah, NFL running back style, yeah, over the top. But uh, not even like a. It wasn't even like a, a sort of squat jump, like <clears throat> you know, standing yeah. broad jump. He was literally running, didn't break stride, and did a kind of high hurdlers move. But yeah, penalty. I just said that's a penalty. Why, why is nobody pointing out? Know, forget how beautiful that was. Why is nobody pointing out the ref hasn't blown up and said it's a penalty? That's what yeah. that's that's <laughs> what rugby's that all about. The other way. <laughs> what have we got this shit then? It's enough, good. Oh yeah. Let's move uh, on to shit. shit. Uh, speaking of incredible competence on the field, um, Marcus Watson dropping the ball under literally no pressure before even not even dropping it over the line, just dropping it, just yeah. because you know it's un. Is Marlon Yard that intimidating? <laughs> that just merely that the idea that he's going to tackle you is enough to make you shit yourself and drop the ball. Like, if I was Die Young, I would literally have him running laps for days for that shit. I think he looked at Marlon Yard and went, how does he get an England cap again? And then kind of fumbled the ball because he yeah, was so and confused. He had a sort of moment of cognitive dissonance. <laughs> <laughs> well, shit, he's played for England, hasn't he? Yeah. And then he snapped back into focus and realised that the ball was on the floor. It's more ammunition for um, Anthony at the Christmas table, though, isn't it? Oh, it is, isn't it? It's, I play for England and I don't drop the ball over the line like a spanner. <laughs> I'm your favourite, you aren't I, Mum? Yeah, yes. <laughs> which of us is a full England international and which of us has just played for the sevens, Marcus? <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, 
What else was shit? Richard Hibbard's offload ninja skills. You see that in the last... The oh, last... I love that. was a perfect way to end that game because it was <laughs> a stupid game with many stupid things that happened. So it is entirely appropriate that that game finished with it was kind a of shit, but also offload from fucking Richard Hibbard that went <laughs> straight threw, in touch. He threw like a fucking bullet. It went about 40 metres into touch. He threw it out with proper velocity. It was like a Robert exactly Jones reverse pass from the offload. 80s. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Yeah. It was, I mean, yeah, it was perfect. It was probably the the last time that Richard Hibbard has attempted a round the back offload, <laughs> but uh, it was glorious. I loved it. What else? In you a very um, shit. To be honest with you, going back to Wasps Quins, we've talked about it a lot, but just the way that both sides handled themselves in that game, like quite aside from the Haskell incident. Everyone was being an absolute fucking yeah. arsehole to the, like, particularly to the referee. Like, players that you don't like, obviously, Mike Brown was. That goes without saying. Of course, James Haskell was. That goes without saying. You know, James Horwell, bit of a bell end, doesn't shock me that much. <laughs> but, like, Joe Launchbury's supposed to be nice. Yeah. And he was being a right fucking mouthy, chopsy, argumentative dickhead for the entire first, like, the constant. Mithering he's and still arguing not going over and the complaining. Sex. He's just fuming. I know. It's just like when you think about the stick a player like Dan Bigger, for example, gets for constantly whinging at the game, like throughout the game, and he is awful for it. Don't get me wrong, but like the constant barracking of the official on Sunday was just a massive load of shit. And I was quite glad in the second half when he basically just decided that he'd had enough, and when anybody opened their mouths, he just instantly marched them back ten, which should happen more. Well, it's true because you do don't that. go from one to the next. You don't go mm. from one step from nobody says anything, so it's a fucking free-for-all, do you? It yeah, goes in exactly. small small changes. Yeah. And he basically sort of, by not stamping it out instantly, allowed the first half to get very niggly and out of hand, and then he kind of clawed it back a little bit at the second half, but it was... And speaking of the launch, yeah. I think, you know... Going back to the Haskell thing, while he was ranting away at the ref and Launchby was just stood there, why wasn't Launchby going up to him and saying, sorry, sir, yeah. I'll deal with this. Yeah, yeah. Pulling get him off. Away and yeah. saying, yeah. Because the funny thing is that he had basically said, the ref had said to Joe Launchbury, get him over the 22, get him away from him. And then Haskell basically decided to turn around and get at it. And uh, let's not go there again. Anyway, other shits from me. Yeah. What else have we got? <laughs> That's your new ringtone, isn't it? Yeah, he's not allowed to do that. Um, uh, spray water in my face. What else have we got oh. this shit? Uh, um, Blair Cowan I've new... got. Oh, yeah. A man who was being, like, basically anointed and carried out of the stadium on players' shoulders after that first <laughs> game. Yeah. How quickly that has... <laughs> the wheels have come the fuck off with that one. He's got two settings. Play well or kill. <laughs> <laughs> just be terrible, yeah. Um, also, shit for me, handling in the Newcastle Saris game. Oh, holy fuck! Well, that was awful. But apparently, it's because it was hot. Yeah, we're all supposed to have humid. sympathy. It was, but you know what? Yes, it was probably difficult. But I'm sure I've seen games played in humidity that weren't that much of a fucking yeah. disgrace. Fuck off. You play in the rain all the it's time. Worse. Apparently, Flatman was saying it's worse than the rain. It's worse when you're sweaty than it is when it's raining. I just don't understand that. 
Yeah, that's bollocks. Come on. <laughs> it was just you can expect just some handling thing. problems. They were totally... Yeah, there was there was, so there, there was a terrible amount of Kool Aid drinking this weekend, wasn't there? Because it had to like, be brilliant, didn't it? It had yeah, to be. It had and they to were go so well. So determined, that, like the drastic, like the unbelievable lying about the crowd size. <laughs> yeah, there were about twelve hundred people there, weren't there? Yeah, they were like, "Oh, there's ten thousand here. Fuck off if there's more than five thousand there." <laughs> at a push, <laughs> like probably more like four. I mean, the thing is. Why not just accept the fact this is a long-term thing? You know, yeah. it is a speculate to accumulate thing. We're going to make some losses at first. Mm-hmm. You know, just why don't we just be honest about that rather than trotting out? And that would be fine. Yeah. The business plan is we're going to lose a fucking bit in the first five years and then it'll yeah. build up. And by this year, yeah. we reckon we'll be all right. Because the thing that they've, they're obviously setting their benchmark by what the NFL has done over here while completely ignoring oh, the vast... Tough. The well, the fact the NFL's been a part everything. of British culture for 30 years, 40 years yeah, now. I've seen exactly. Four so there's telly. generations of fans. It's, you know, on telly every week and has been. Plus, it's a bit decades. American and glamorous, isn't it? Exactly. Let's be honest, Rugby Newcastle is Falcons is not you know, yeah, very glamorous. Like, and to be fair yeah. to Newcastle, they probably were struggling to catch because their ground now looks like Hoth from Empire Strikes Back, probably. <laughs> so actually, to go into that heat would yeah, have been a bit of a exactly. culture shock. It's, for it's a hell of a shock to the system. But I mean, that, I mean, it's not the worst crowd we saw all weekend, though. No, let's, it wasn't. Let's was it? not forget. Holy shit! <laughs> Great weekend for expanding Northern Hemisphere rugby into new markets with the post the whatever Nelson Mandela Bay Stadium in yes. Port Elizabeth, Kings against Leicester, five hundred people in a forty-six thousand seater stadium. Five hundred. I heard it was three thousand. Was it as low as five hundred? At one point, it they they it. Take your pick in terms of estimates, really. <laughs> Either way, yeah. About, it does, it, it seems a bit data nitpick, doesn't it? It yeah. looked about 500. And, I mean, we're not quite at Edinburgh at Murrayfield levels of hilarious futility <laughs> yet. But, fuck me, that was bad. I think like, we'll be... We'll have to get a kid's choir in, won't they? To try and they are, that's the only option, really, isn't it? A big fucking choir. <laughs> like, the entire under-11 population of, of Port Elizabeth. Let's just let's get him in there. Well, that's well, actually why aren't they? Why did they not just give fucking twenty thousand tickets away to kids? They must have known in the week that they were not going to sell out the forty-six thousand seater stadium. What kind of crowds were the Kings getting in the Super Rugby? Bad. Because that's the thing. I think you're starting from a fairly low base here, and unlike yeah, the Cheetahs, which is a far more I, established yeah, scenario, yeah, the Cheetahs got it? a much bigger crowd. If memory serves, the couple of Kings games I watched last year in Super Rugby, the crowd was fucking appalling. It wasn't this bad, but it was bad. But yeah. it's just you can't artificially create an audience and an enthusiasm for something just with money, advertising, and the hopes and good intentions of suits, really, can you? And like you say, it is a process. It's a process with America. It's a process with the Kings. But yeah, it was a bit of a a rude and a much needed wake up call. I feel for some of the more hubristic elements of rugby administration this weekend. Graham Love got in touch. Um, hello, Graham. He said, "Shit is the Blues fan chucking his pint." Yeah, that was a bit of a dick move, wasn't it? It was. I don't like the fact that people have then sort of like decided to extrapolate that to say that all Cardiff fans are total wankers and it's always been like this. That was never yeah. my experience. I lived in Cardiff. I went to the ground. I, it wasn't my experience. It was like that at all. You know, don't 
No. Don't it's, conflate it's, one pissed knob with the entire crowd, you know. It's emphatically not my experience of Cardiff crowds, to be honest. And and also, you know, I absolutely think that he should have was rightly kicked the fuck out. But, you know, people saying that he should be banned for rugby games for life. I mean, he yeah, did a, a very... but it's a standard dick... rugby moral outcry, isn't it? I know. It's like, for God's sake, it's... And, you know, he was an absolute prick. You know, and I'm we very... don't want to be like football klaxon, you know. Yeah, but like, yeah, okay, definitely say I don't want you to like your band for the rest of the season, mate. Hundred hmm. percent, that's fine. But like saying, oh, we should never be allowed in the rugby ground again, and all this shit. It's like grow the fuck up. People are punching each other and choking each other on the field. <laughs> you know, look at the shit that goes on between the white lines, and ask yourself if is this really that big a deal. The ref was heard to be saying, he just threw a pint at me. Is that even allowed? Review it again. <laughs> Look at it again. Look at it again. Um, what else have we got here? Uh, Andy Render on touch. got in touch on Twitter at Blood and Mud, and he said, shit, the Glasgow game plan to offload at all costs. Also shit, Glasgow doing grubber kicks when the off-road plan doesn't work. But then good is that Glasgow keep winning, even though they keep employing this shit game plan. Yeah. Fair dude, been yeah. watching El Haguares, but doing it slightly better. <laughs> yeah, but he only goes one way, so be mm. warned. Um, yeah, it's it. I I don't know what to make of Glasgow this season. They veer between looking. They were excellent against the Ospreys. They did mm-hmm. not look excellent against the Blues. Um, yeah, it's weird, isn't it? I guess it's you know Dave Rennie is going to take some time. Yes, he is. And, you know, he's sleeping with you dresses, Ronald McDonald, most nights. So that's going to take it out of him. So, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, oh God, don't make me go back there again. <laughs> um, what else have we got? Shit for me was uh, that penalty try decision in the American game. Oh, yeah, that Nick. was dog shit, wasn't that it? That didn't look like a penalty try. They seemed very... At all. JP Doyle was mad keen to give a penalty try up for a bloke who got two hands on the ball. But doesn't yeah. seem to accept that the new, whatever we may think of it, that the new tackle offside law exists. I tell you what, I'm watching across the leagues this weekend and at test level. Nobody has got a fucking clue what a ruck is anymore. <laughs> it's, just, it's game to game, created, and minute also, to yeah. minute. Like players, basically, players don't know. That's what they. So many of them are getting penalised because they're just trying it anyway because they know there's a fair chance they might get away with it. And the thing is, a lot of people say it's good, isn't it? Because the ball comes out quicker and it's, you know, it all helps to grow the game. And it's like, well, no, because all that's happening now is you haven't really got a breakdown and people yeah. are just fanning out. It's removed the and breakdown that, from the and game. And that's which not going to. So now, now you've got a rugby league scenario where you've just got a wall of people across the field who shuffle left and right, depending on what they. And that's all right. Rugby league, when you've got 13 of you and you've got 15 of you on the field and nobody's committing to a ruck, then good luck finding the fucking gaps, by the way. We're gonna end up like we're gonna end up like rugby. Uh, end up like NFL. Yeah, you've got no, to run. Well, you've got to run exact- moves and have like you. You, know, you go for whole six when he goes over there and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's bad, isn't it? Um, well, it's not. We don't know yet, but this well, it, unintended it consequences like thing. You know, it's like they, the they've basically created a, a new fucking law just because Italy made it look a little bit untidy. And it took England half an hour to figure it out, and yeah. now the entire shape of the fucking game has changed. Yeah, that's what they, they've done, and they did not think that shit through at all. <laughs> no. They did. They clearly didn't because no, it's I'm fucking pretty sure stupid. they didn't want this to happen. 
And yet it has. And they're going to have to fucking do something about it if they don't want the entirety of the fucking game to be ruined. <laughs> like yeah. a fundamental element of the game of rugby union that differentiates it. it from league no yeah. longer exists now. And it's just, I say it so often, don't make policy out of fucking outliers. It's a bad yeah. way to run things. It hardly yeah. ever happened. It happened in about three fucking games. The first two times it happens, people said, oh, wasn't that clever? Third mm. time it happened, well, it happened more than that, but then it got to the point where people said, oh, this is a disgrace, and what about kids? You know, And yeah. you know for a fact that it's fucked when the will people think of the children line comes out. Oh, what are kids going to do oh. when they're playing on a Saturday? I don't know. Don't Maybe you have to think about playing the game that's in front of them. What a fucking yeah. disaster that will be. It's it, it drives me fucking mental. It really does. It's... Oh, I'm worn I out now. <laughs> I'm just so, so fed up with this constant fiddling. The game was fucking fine. <laughs> They've been too... How, when were the fucking experimental law variations? The like LVs. 2008? Yeah, we're going back a good while now, yeah. So we're talking, they've been doing this bollocks for a decade. And they won't fucking understand. Like, And they're doing it again. They're talking about cut, what, reducing the length of the rugby rule book by like two-thirds to streamline it to make it easier to understand. Like, Imagine how, how slimline they... rubber Slimani's will be. <laughs> None of this applies to you. Don't worry. <laughs> Don't worry about it, son. Yeah. But like... At what point are we supposed to trust these fuckers who spent 10 years making the game worse or making rules that nobody likes or don't make any sense or fuck something It's up the fact they don't tend to go back on them either. No. You know, the, the new the new scrum law and the fact they're ignoring the crooked feet, you know, fair enough, it gets the ball in, it gets the ball out, fine. Yeah, whatever, don't care. But this stuff, you know... The breakdown at is At any proper. point, will they go, I'm not sure this has made the game go we want, yeah. the way we wanted it to go, so let's change it back. It yeah. doesn't happen, does it? The only time they did that is when they, you know, they decided not to bring in the L, most of the ELVs because rugby turned into fucking kick tennis. But they hadn't brought it in then, had they? That's the thing. That's the thing. It was experimental. But yeah. this nowadays, they didn't they just even do bother it with in about three weeks. Yeah, fucking yeah, do it. Fuck it, do it. Whatever. Bring back oh. dumbing off the back of rocks. I say. Well, yeah. What was wrong with that? Why did they have to go? I used to love a it's... bit of dumbing off the back of a rock. Keeps the defence honest. <laughs> it's. And I, I honestly don't, I agree, like, the safety thing about not being able to fly hack through rucks when you come through as well, that's bollocks. Oh, you can, somebody's going to get a boot in the head. You know when they're more likely to get a boot in the head when you're trying to ruck it, hook it back towards your own line? When someone's behind you and you're, and you're pulling your foot back, you're much more likely to catch someone in the fucking head with a boot than if they're in front of you. They just... They don't want anything that enables the defence to do their job. They just want yeah, every what game they're to do be now fucking is... 60-45. But they've created a situation where the, de- the, the defence doing their job is going to be fucking easier because they'll just yeah, fan out across it. the field and it'll be the easiest Kelsey... defence coaching job in the world. Yeah, because Kelsey Freeze, they're fucking shit at doing this. They don't <laughs> consider all of the... They try something in and they always try it in New Zealand or South Africa. In like a an M, you know, in a lower tier competition where everyone is basically playing the rules in the vague spirit of the game, and then the second that it hits professional rugby, coaches just go, "Brilliant, I can fucking use that." 
And Kel Surprise, the game has been fucked up a little bit because something that didn't happen when it was being tried out in the South African college level or whatever, once it gets in the hands of a professional attack coach or a professional defence coach, is all of a sudden rendered stupidly annoying. Hmm. Because of course it is. Because they're better at this than you know, a, a college coach in South Africa or a, a provincial coach in New Zealand is exploiting the rules. That's why the game is so interesting. Yes. Ugh. I think we'll have to um, leave it there. I think we need to. I'm it's, fucking it's tired. Oh, I'm I need to sit in a now. dark room and I'm, seethe. I'm worn out. I missed this last week. I needed to... <laughs> I did think of us when I heard that bloke after the, the Gennady Golovkin fight. Did you hear him? <laughs> Teddy Atlas. Listen to this. <laughs> I've been in this business 40 years of life. Where am I going to go? I've got nowhere to go. But if I did, I'd get the hell out of it. I'd get the hell out of it. I'm sick and tired of watching these fighters that put up... <laughs> and so on. That's just basically... That was us for the last 10 minutes. That is basically... I mean, you might as well just make that next week's podcast and just... <laughs> Put whenever he says boxing, just put rugby in there instead, and that's basically us, isn't it? Yeah. Thank you. Welcome oh, well. back, Josh. <laughs> it's been a pleasure as always. Everybody, welcome Josh back. Mm. <laughs> oh God bless you. Grateful pricks. <laughs> uh, right, I'll see you. I didn't see. I didn't see what you were all saying. Look, Just because he was funnier than me, he was fucking funny, Mike. He was Fair fucking play. funny, Mike, honey. Fair play. Fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get I'm I, definitely gonna get that as a as a noise, by the way. What do we I think about that? Fuck him. An outrageously large amount. I also enjoyed his anecdote about his breaking his leg and his dad <laughs> telling him to run it off, which was... You know you broke your leg, you're being agony. I am in fucking agony, Dad. <laughs> 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 I was ge- fair play. I was genuinely howling with laughter at last week's podcast, which I'm pretty sure never happened. Before. <laughs> so uh... no, I howl with laughter every week listening to you, and so wow, do other people. Play. Now come on, right? See you all next week, everyone. <laughs> see you next week. Bye bye. Niall lives on a hill, a very steep hill, which is great for the calf muscles. But when it comes to squeezing in and out of that parking space between the neighbours' pride and joy, Niall begins to worry. I wonder if they use recycled plastic to make all the recycling bins. In the new Dacia Duster with automatic gearbox and hill start assist, at least hills are nothing to worry about. And from only €45 per week on the road, nor is the price. Visit the Dacia sales event from the 18th to the 20th of November. Don't worry, be Duster. Offer made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. See dacia.ie. Sports Social Podcast Network.